Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome back to episode 40 of Apply Filters. Today, Brad and I are going to go back through a couple of updates from the last couple of weeks. And then we've got a couple of questions from listeners that we want to dive into that are really great ones to really consider if you are building plugins or themes, especially commercial ones. Before we get into that, however, Sammy from Foxland Themes and Plugins was kind enough to come back and sponsor another episode today. So go check out his work. You can find it at foxland.fl. He just released a brand new theme called Toivo that is really, really excellent looking. It's a... How do you say that? It's... I'll be honest, I'm probably doing it wrong, but I think it's Toivo. Toivo? So T-O-I-V-O. Toivo. Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it's right. That's my that's my best guess at it anyway. And so that is a commercial theme that he's got available at Foxland. And then he also has a light version of it, which was just released a couple of weeks ago, but has already got a lot of downloads, got five-star reviews, looks really nice. And then he also recently has done three other things. He's been busy. Man, uh, as he ever. <laughs> he wrote two plugins for easy digital downloads, one for memberships. So if you want to have content that's restricted to paid members, there's a plugin for that. And we'll, we will include links to all of these in the show notes. And then he wrote another one called uh, EDD Feedback that lets you send automatic emails to customers at a specified time period after they purchase. So if you want to send someone an email two days after they purchase and then another one at three days and then five days or several weeks, you can do that. And then lastly, Sammy also wrote a really, really excellent post on post status about how to create better and more accessible WordPress themes. So he gets really into detail about screen reader text, ARIA, headers and subheaders, et cetera. Things that are really, really important if you want to build top-notch themes. So we'll have links to all these in the show notes. Go check them out. And thanks, Sammy, for helping us produce the show and get it put together. Awesome. Thanks, Sammy. So, Brad, why don't you take us through what you've been up to? Yeah, for sure. I've been working on, personally working on the marketing site for the Amazon plugin that we've been working on for like five or six months. And just working on the messaging and, and kind of how to portray it as that it's worth buying, right? So the plugin is called Amazon S3 and CloudFront. That's the name of the plugin on the WordPress.org repo. So it's using Amazon's trademark, right? Those are Amazon S3 is a trademark owned by Amazon, and CloudFront is also trademarked. I realized this is a bad name for a commercial product because <laughs> I'm using someone else's trademarks. You know, I brought that to the team and, and we started throwing names around and we kind of settled on WP Offload because you're, you're offloading your media library. So it, it kind of made sense. Sure. Um, and we decided on WP Offload for Amazon S3 and CloudFront because oh, they, they allow you to use the, the four, right? Right. That's a really long name, though. That's like, I don't know, 15 syllables or something, right? Like That is really long. It is really long. And I've already had a hard time with WP Migrate DB Pro, right? That's, I've, already, <laughs> I've already said that so many times. I wish it was shorter. I've decided to shorten it to WP Offload S3. So it's okay. nice and compact and short. Yeah. And we're going to say, like, 
on the site and everywhere else, we're going to say Amazon S3, right? But, right. But just as for the name of the product. Do you think that just based on what that's the naming convention, so WP Offload, do you think that will ever lend itself to creating other companion plugins like Offload Dropbox, Offload Rackspace, Offload, et cetera? Yeah, it's possible. Do you think that's possible? We, we have talked a little bit about that. I don't know if we're going to go down that road, particularly if we're going to go like with Dropbox, Google Drive, and all those other cloud services. I feel like we should stick with Amazon, at least for now, in the short term. So we could do things like WP Offload SES, right? So simple email service. So just offload all your email sending to Amazon. That's kind of the, the, the next step, I think. For us. I love that idea. That'd be awesome. And another update about this plugin, we're doing a, or we had planned to do a CSS JS add-on. I think I talked about it before on the show where, we, you know, we would be hooking into the enqueuing functions in WordPress and uploading those assets to S3 and then serving them from there. And that would allow you to grab the assets from all plugins, all themes that were at least as long as the ones that were enqueued. Yes, but huge problem that we ran into that we didn't foresee. So let's say you're enqueuing a style sheet, right? Well, it, within that style sheet, there are other assets that have relative yeah. URLs. Right. And so if you, what do you upload, do with those? if you upload that style sheet and start serving it from S3, those assets that are within the style sheet, like pings or even other style sheets, those have to be up on Amazon as well because they have to be in a relative path. Did you find a way to resolve that? Uh, yeah, we're going to upload everything. <laughs> we're going to awesome. scan for all the assets that are in your install and, and upload those. That's really the only way to be sure that we get everything, that there's not going to mm-hmm. be something broken. So that's the best solution that we've come up with. I would assume that's probably the same solution that things like W3 Total Cash and other plugins that integrate with like Mac CDN and such. I would yeah. assume they do the same thing, right? I think so. I think that's, that is how W3 Total Cash does it. I think they just uh, scan everything. I mean, it's really the only way that you can be sure <laughs> that you're not missing yeah. something, right? I, I can't think of a way to do it otherwise. Yeah. And I mean, there's other things like uh, there's assets like uh, the fave icon, right? That might be actually hard-coded into the, into the theme that you know, they might want to update to be served from S3 as well, right? So, yeah, you have to kind of get them all, all those assets. So anyway, what have you been up to? Well, this last week has been kind of mostly catch up because the week before that I was at LoopConf along with most of the ED and affiliate WP team. Uh, So we had uh, five, six of us out there, I think. For the Loop Comp there, it, it was just outside of Vegas in Henderson at the nice Westin Resort, and it was awesome. Uh, nice. So for anyone that doesn't know, Loop Comp is a WordPress developers-only conference put together by Ryan Sullivan, the guy from WP SiteCare, uh, and his team, and it was awesome. Uh, so it was structured much like a WordCamp or like Pressnomics, if you've been to either of those, but it was all development-based. Uh, and so there, there's no marketing, there's no design, there's no user tracks. It's all development. Was it a single track or was there several tracks? Yes, it was single track. Okay. And so it was it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, it was cool to be able to have two full days just devoted to development. I, almost, uh, I like the for, simplicity of a single track event because you don't you don't feel like you're missing out 
on you know other talks. You don't have to decide. You know, people are going at the same time. Which one do I go to? Yeah, and so that was that was great. There was a lot of time spent there just socializing with other developers, people from around the world. There were attendees from every single continent except for Antarctica. I think it was around three hundred people or so. Wow. Yeah, uh, it was it was really excellent. Got to nice. spend a lot of time with with a lot of people that we knew and some that that we didn't. If they do number two, I would highly recommend going. Cool. So once I got back, it was just kind of some catch up. Uh, I had to, I've pushed a two weeks ago or a week and a half, I pushed a big release to Restrict Content Pro version 2.1 that had a bunch of major changes. And then since then, I've pushed a few point releases to fix some minor bugs, a few uh, backwards compatibility glitches that I missed. For example, I've, I realized that some of the new changes I put in depended on changes to template files. And so if somebody had modified a template file, those changes weren't there and things broke. So I had to push a few fixes. And then over the last couple of days and for the next two weeks, myself and Chris Klosowski are working on an integration for EDD with Amazon Login and Pay. Okay, uh, what, what is Login and Pay? So Login and Pay, kind of like PayPal, Amazon has a whole lot of products. Yes, and they get they kind do. of confusing. <laughs> so we've had various payment integrations with Amazon for EDD over the last three years. We had Amazon FPS, we had Amazon Pay, and now with Amazon Login and Pay. Uh, and so Login and Pay is their new one. And what it allows you to do is during your, your checkout process, you can actually log into your Amazon account, authenticate, kind of in the same way that a social login works. And then all of your, your address, your email, your billing details, your payment Etc. gets pulled from your Amazon account. So you never enter any payment info, you never enter billing info or anything like that. You just select the ones that you want from your Amazon account. Uh, yeah, sounds, so we're kind of getting that. Sounds almost out. like uh, PayPal Express, like PayPal Express Flow. Yes. Yeah. It's the same idea in that you will tokenize a user. So they will they will authenticate and you'll get a token back. And then with that token, you can go retrieve information from their account. Uh, and so we're we're building that out. Chris is doing all the, the heavy lifting on it, but it's going to be actually inter- introduced into EDD Core. So we're we're going to be releasing it as an official payment gateway that's included in the free plugin for everyone. That'll be a cool update that we're hoping to have live within about a month, maybe a month and a half. Neat. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's keeping us busy. Should we get into some listener questions now? Yeah, I think so. We've got two of them, and they're mm. both really good subjects. Why don't we start uh, with support? Do you want to sure. read John's question? Yeah, sure. So John McAllister wrote in. Actually, I think John came to the first Big Snow Tiny Conf. You know, not this year, but last year. The one I didn't make it to. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, he says, I'm creating my first plugin, and I'm gearing up to provide documentation and support. Any suggestions on the best way to create documentation? What do you guys recommend for support apps? I know we've all spent time digging through forums. Sometimes they work, but often they're just frustrating. Is there a better way? What do you think? Yeah, such a good question or a series of questions. Well, we'll start with documentation. One really easy way to do documentation is to utilize what most of us know very pretty well with custom post types. You can create a really pretty high quality documentation site just through a simple post type and a taxonomy or two. Yeah, that's what we do, actually. That's what we used to do. We recently moved, but 
not not really because of limitations. It had to do with other things. Okay. Uh, and it works really well. And then if you combine it with something like Search WP, that can provide you really good so- search results. Yep. That's exactly what we do. <laughs> awesome. That's yeah. exactly what we used to do until we changed it recently. Okay. Uh, so what did you change it to and what are the reasons? Okay. Um, so we changed to Help Scout Docs and we did it most for a couple of reasons. The biggest one being that we wanted to stop spending time building our docs system when we should be focusing on building the product. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to just offload it to some, to a service, more or less, which was Help Scout. But it also provided the added advantage that it directly integrated with our support ticketing system so that we could very easily link to a doc from a ticket. We have a search form inside of our ticket response. We can actually turn a ticket into a doc or vice versa, things like that. But if you're just getting started, I mean, you could you could absolutely go that route. But using a post type and taxonomy, super simple way to do it. There is also somebody just released a good documentation plugin that does exactly that, except but instead of building it, it just gives it to you. And I think it then has short codes for displaying stuff. Hmm. I don't know who did it or what it's called, but uh, I suspect if you search the plugins repo for documentation, I bet you it's there. Right. So we chose to go the route with search WP and just the custom post type. And I, I really did. <laughs> I looked at this for a long time to figure out what, which way was, was the best way to go. Because when we first launched, all we had was like our, our documentation consisted of one single WordPress page with like <laughs> anchor links. <laughs> and, and it started to grow and become completely unmanageable pretty soon after launch. Right. And so we looked at Help Scout and uh, Help Scout looked really good. I really liked the integration thing and I really wanted that that feature where where as as the person was typing their uh, support request, it would like give them documentation suggestions. Isn't that one of the features or am I thinking of a different system? Uh, No, it has that. Uh, We actually don't. Let's see. I don't think we use that feature specifically. So if you use that one, the documentation in Help Scout has an option to turn on a contact form. So like up in the corner, that could be like, didn't find what you're looking for? Shoot us an email. And when you do that, as you're typing in like your subject, I think it shows you docs. We chose to disable that feature only because we are, we wanted to request additional information on the submission and you can't customize that contact form. Right. Another feature it has, though, is when you're responding to a support request, you can easily look up the documentation and insert a link, right? That yeah, was super yeah. easy. It's like, well, I just use a keyboard shortcut. So I just do command slash, type in the name, quickly pops open a list of found docs. I select the one I want, hit enter, and it's there. Yeah. So that's... It, it dramatically sped up the process of sending someone to documentation. That's what we're missing right now. That's a feature that we would really like to have. The other one, and you could do that. You can absolutely do this with things like Google Analytics, but Help Scout gives you stats on Docs. Right. So it tells you popular searches. It tells you searches that failed. It shows you the top articles, and it also shows you trends. Show like if you have a particular article that's being hit a lot more this week than it was the previous week, it tells you that. There's things like that which you can absolutely set up. But sometimes I go back with the idea of, look, maybe we should spend time building our product, not building our infrastructure. Yep, absolutely. Uh, And that was our main reason for switching to it. Now, all of that being said, 
I will say there are a lot of issues with Help Scout docs. Is that right? That we have. There are some buggy things in it for sure. Mostly that uh, Help Scout is a ticketing system, and sometimes it feels like docs are the, the afterthought. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, which is which is okay. I mean, every every system has something that's bad about it, but overall, it does work very very well. Okay. The main reason we went with the kind of the custom solution is the I wanted it really well integrated into our site. I didn't want it to feel like you were leaving our site to get to right. go to the docs. And I looked yeah. at the customization, the ability to customize the Help Scout docs, and it was pretty limited. Um, yeah, it's super it, minimal. Yeah. And so I just decided, you know what, we're just going to try to have it. I wanted the seamless experience uh, for the docs. That's one of the reasons that we, we went with a post type route right. was for that exact reason. And I think that's an excellent reason to do it. It really depends what you're after, I guess, in the end. Yeah. So the second part of this question was related to support apps. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think people could probably guess what, what we're going to say about that since we've been <laughs> talking about Help Scout so much. Yeah. So, okay. So what do you use right now for Help your Scout. support? <laughs> Help Scout. Okay. We actually have a combination right now. We're Help Scout slash BB Press forms. Ah, okay. And I, ha- I have something I want to mention specifically because John's said, I quote, I know we've all spent time digging through forms. Sometimes they work. Oftentimes they're frustrating. There's a really cool trick that you can use that's super simple for, for looking through forms. Forget about the internal form search features. Yeah. Drop them. They're worthless. Every single one, even ones that are decent, are almost worthless if you really want to try and find an answer. Instead, use Google. Google Sites Google, Google can index, has everything indexed as long as it's a public form. And you can do a search on a specific site. Mm-hmm. We actually ended up throwing away our BB Press search and just replaced it with a Google search that specifically searched our site. And it made things so much better. If you do use forms, I would definitely put like a Google search form on your site instead of the default search. And the same thing goes for if you're trying to find an answer in someone else's form, just use Google to find it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, good tip for sure. But we are in the process of actually moving away from our BB Press forms. We are, are hope, hopefully on June 1, they will be gone. They're not going to be gone. We're leaving them. They're going to, they'll be there forever. But we are moving all like new tickets. Is that, is that just because it's too hard to manage two things, email and yeah, forms? Yeah, it, it's fragmented, basically. Uh, we still, we spend a lot of time in the forms. We spend a lot of time in Help Scout. And we, we have both of them because the antici- the plan was to move. It's just been a slow process. Right. So you had forms earlier on only, right, right. and then you right. moved to email uh, support only. Or you're, you're trying to move. <laughs> you're going that direction. Yep. So what was the motivation to move from forms to email support? Um, we've been using emails for Affiliate WP and then also for my the plugins that are on pippinsplugins.com. Mm-hmm. And we just had a really great experience with it the efficiency with which we can manage support is so much faster. Right. And also like having, having reporting, knowing exactly how many tickets each staff answered, what their individual response times were, their customer satisfaction, like all of those things as when we're starting to do higher and higher ticket volumes. I mean, we're talking maybe a thousand tickets a week are being touched. Stats matter. And they matter a lot more as we get bigger and bigger and bigger. What are the important stats that you're looking at regularly? Um, we're looking at several of them. Number one is number of tickets. So especially now, we've hired a full-time person to do documentation. 
I really want to be able to start monitoring and see, do our tickets go down in the number of tickets that we have? Or do they keep going up? And so we're going to be able to start doing better at measuring support based around, like, as we introduce new documentation, as we make changes, et cetera. We can also see how active each person is. So if we have part-time staff or full-time staff, and we kind of want to like get a general idea of how they've been doing over the last month, we can go and see exactly how many replies they sent, how many unique customers they helped, what their average time per ticket was, what their resolution time was, what their happiness score was. We can see all of these things. And I think that's something that's really important as we get bigger. So I'll tell you why I like HelpsGo. The main reason that I, I recommend it to people is because it doesn't get in our way. It's really like using Gmail, right? But without all of the pains that we, you would have to go through if you were using Gmail with a team of people. When we first started out, we it was just me and Chris and so doing support. So it was easy to share a Gmail account and do support. And we did for almost a year. And then we switched to Help Scout and it was just like, oh, this is just like using Gmail, but a little bit better because we each have our own user account and we're not stepping on each other's toes necessarily. And now when we add this third person that was just coming on board, which is the real reason we, we start switched to HelpScout, we won't be edit, you know, replying to the same ticket, you know, two people replying to the same ticket and that kind of thing. I found it just, yeah, it just stays out of the way is kind of the, yep. the biggest I selling. I definitely factor. second that. So we had another question from Robert Wild, and this is a really nice follow-up question. We kind of pick these because they go together. So Robert said, I am a WP theme and plugin developer, recently finished two plugins for a colleague that I would like to promote and hopefully sell. Love the last episode about business models. Interested to hear your stories regarding how you started selling your first plugins. Also, any tips for taking a plugin you use on your own projects and make it distributable either with WordPress.org or something like Code Canyon? Do you want to start? How do yeah. you go about selling your first plugin? So the way I did it is I did it pretty uh, strategically. So <laughs> I had a plugin that was already doing well on WordPress.org. You know, it was kind of gaining momentum. And so then I surveyed the people that were using it. So I stuck a, a little survey in the sidebar. It said, you know, pro version, question mark, and said, what if there was a pro version that had these features? And I listed them out would you be interested in that? And it just said yes or no and a submit button. And if they chose yes, then it would slide down and it would ask how much you'd be willing to pay for that and a couple other questions. And so basically I was getting feedback from people, but I was also collecting email addresses so that when I launched the plugin, I would have people to tell that, hey, remember that thing that you wanted? Well, it, it exists now. And you, oh, that's great. and you could buy it over here. I didn't just launch it and hope for the best. I was pretty strategic about how, how I went about it and to kind of minimize the risk of failure. Right. At that time, I had an employee <laughs> and, and a runway, so it, it kind of couldn't fail or we would, right. I would be back to freelancing and, and so would he. So, What uh, kind of thought process did you put into how you wanted to sell it? So I know that you, you landed on selling it through your own site. Did you consider whether or not to sell it through a marketplace like Code Canyon or to try and sell it under another brand? Any thought process behind that? Yeah, I think I, I did think about Code Canyon 
just because it's such a huge marketplace and and you wouldn't have to do all the marketing and, and that stuff. The problem was just the share and the exclusivity thing. This was like three years ago, two or th- two and a half years ago. So uh, at least at that time, Code Canyon's policy was like, if you are not exclusive, so if you're selling the, the plugin elsewhere, then it, your commission is, what, what was it, like 30% or something that you, that you get? Right. And Code Canyon mm-hmm. would take like 70 for any sales off their platform. And I did want to sell it on my own because I wanted to learn a little bit about marketing and stuff. So that, that's kind of what did it for me. It was like, okay, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but if you're not interested in marketing, like if you really don't want to do that and you, and you really want to leverage that huge audience that, that Code Canyon already has, I think that like, Code Canyon is a really great place to start for, for certain people. I mean, Pippin, didn't you start on Code Canyon selling plugins? I did. Uh, so my first plugins all started on Code Canyon. I'd say my first 15 or 20 plugins were all on Code Canyon. Now, I think there's an interesting difference here. So you were very calculated. You were very thought out and careful about how uh, you went about selling your first products because you were going into it with the plan of, look, we're making a business out of this. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, had no real intention of making a business out of commercial plugins when I started. My first five or six plugins were were built and then just kind of put on Code Canyon as a why not. Was it like almost a, an experiment? Like to see, yeah, see if well, anybody buys the very, the very first plugin, I don't even know I would call it an experiment. It was more of, hey, there's this marketplace thing. I made a plugin. Maybe I'll get $10. So I put it up there. I had never sold anything before. I It was my very first plugin I ever wrote. And it turned out it actually worked out really well. The next couple of plugins were, were a bit more of an experiment saying, hey, I know that this first one actually did stuff that I had not anticipated. It actually made sales. Let's see if we can go ahead and keep this going. And by maybe the fifth plugin or so, I started looking at it as a, hey, this could be a business. This is something that I could potentially live off of if I keep working at it for the next six months or a year. Mine was really not not calculated, not thought out at all. It was kind of a, hey, here's a marketplace. I have a plugin. Why not? I didn't think about branding. I didn't think about marketing. I didn't really do any of that. That's kind of like the first software that I ever sold. That's kind of the way I did it as well. I didn't put it on a marketplace. I put it on, I don't even know, I think my own website. And so I was working at at a company called uh, SmartForce at the time. I think they're now Skillsoft. Anyhow, they it was doing ASP Classic stuff. And they had a product that they'd bought, like a component for ASP. They're, they were called components. Basically, it was just a library. And it would produce the tree view, you know, like in, in a file yeah. listing. You can get a tree view and you little, have the little plus and you can expand and contract. That's what it would do. It would You'd feed it some data and it would produce that tree view. It's actually kind of hard to build one of those if you've ever tried to code one up. And so I said, well, what if what if I, I, I did some searching around and there was none in PHP. So I was like, what, what if I build a PHP version of this and call it PHP Tree View? Because the, the ASP one was called ASP yeah. Tree View. And so that's what I did. I just threw it up wow. on, my, on my website, right? And, and I sold, I don't know, over the course of you know five years or something i probably sold like a dozen licenses for it but it was just you know through organic search people sure. coming to my website from Google. so 
why don't we take these these two sets of questions and kind of put them in to summarize into a few pieces of general advice for John and Robert and everyone else. I'm going to start if you want to then follow up with what you have. So sure. when it comes to support and documentation, I'd first say just don't worry too much about the system that you use. Get something that works for you, something that is easy to manage and go with it. When you're starting out, honestly, unless you have an overnight success, which is probably not going to happen, you're going to have a lot of time to, to figure out the small kinks. You just need something up from the beginning just so that you can answer questions. If you can answer questions and you can post documentation, you're good to go. And then in terms of selling, if you're doing it on the side, don't be afraid to just throw it up on your site, throw it on Code Canyon, and just see how it goes. If you have a large audience already that you can definitely reach out to, that you can market to, whether that's organic traffic or social accounts or an email list, probably consider doing it through your own site because of the fact that you get to keep 100%. If you don't have that large audience yet, you're trying to build it, I would definitely consider using something like Code Canyon because the amount of traffic they can drive through to your product is enormous and is giant in comparison to, to what it'll, what you will have early on. Yeah. And, so and just to add to that, I think you, you can always get off of Code Canyon later. There's, right. there's a couple of pretty high profile examples of that. Um, Mike McAllister went off of Code Canyon on, to do his own thing. Did he go back? He, he ended up just recently so he, going back to Code Canyon. But well, Theme have, Forest, but still in Vodka. Theme Forest, yes. But he has an exclusive deal with them, some kind of really, really good deal. <laughs> uh, so he started on Theme Forest, did really, really well, made a name for himself, decided he wanted to do things on his own. He wrote a blog post about this recently, about some of the reasons for it, but he is now actually doing it on his own and on Theme Forest. But because he had such a good name for himself, he was able to work out a deal where he got a much better rate than a non-exclusive author would. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a great story because you can start out. I mean, he started on Theme Forest, went out on his own because he, he built that audience at Theme Forest and then came back to Theme Forest later on. And so, I mean, that's that's a good way to go, right? Like, Yeah. I'd also add, I would never be afraid to test multiple systems. So if you're if you want to test out the marketplaces, try Code Canyon, try Mojo, try uh, any other marketplace that's out there. See what they work. Try your own site. Try and upsell from WordPress.org with a free version to a paid version. Uh, experiment. Play around with all the different business models. Uh, there's a lot of different ones. You can change it. Sometimes business models can be difficult to change, but you absolutely can change them. So you don't have to get it perfect the first time. Another thing I'll say about going with a marketplace versus doing it yourself on your own site is if you're if you really want to learn how to do marketing, how to write better copy that uh, can convince people that that your product is worth buying, those kinds of things, you're probably not going to be able to do that through a marketplace. At least you're not going to be able to measure effectiveness as easily as if you did it through your own site. So, I mean, if you're really interested in learning that, those ropes, uh, I think doing it through your own site uh, is a good way to go. But that being said, if you don't have an audience, maybe you should still start on the marketplace and then move it to your own site once you get some traction. I'll say, like, for me personally, that I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for Code Canyon. Right. And having started there and having spent 
two and a half years there. I have no idea where I'd be right now, but what? I don't think I would be right here. What were the things that you learned being on that marketplace? Did you learn a lot? Just just uh, like, did you learn about support or supporting your product? Through Definitely that? learned about support. Uh, so one of the things that is very apparent on Code Canyon and ThemeForce is that when an author doesn't support their products, they get really bad reviews very quickly. Right. And that's public. And, and to be fair, I think they should. Uh, I, th I think providing customer support is should be a requirement, whether legally it is or not. And, and so very quickly learn the importance of providing support. What about sales and marketing, those kinds of things? Sales and marketing was definitely a lot, was not as much of something for me, uh, or maybe something I picked up a lot slower because of Code Canyon. And I think the reason is that when when you're selling through a marketplace, especially one as large as the Envato ones, you don't really think about, did this blog post drive a lot of traffic? Or <laughs> right. was this email newsletter successful? For a couple of reasons. Number one, because you may, you may just not have access to those metrics. Two, you have so much organic traffic from their marketplace alone that you're not actually going to be really watching those kinds of spikes. You're not, when, when you're selling through your own site or a place that you have access to all the analytics, you can push out an email newsletter or social post or whatever you, you're using, and you can directly see the increase in traffic, the increase in sales. And you don't really see that in the marketplace as much. You might be able to guess, like if you have a really good sales day, you may be able to relate it to a blog post you wrote, but it's all pretty circumstantial. Uh, and so because of that, like I really never started considering those things or really taking them into account until I was selling through my own site, which I think actually made it kind of hard to sell through my own site when I got off, of, when I started moving off of Code Canyon, because I, I had been in the mentality for two years of just kind of put it there and it will sell right? right. because they're going to drive me traffic. Right. And so then I put something on my own site and it doesn't sell. What's going on? Yeah. There's, oh, wait, there's this little thing called marketing you have to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so did and that was kind of interesting. Well, it's definitely something for people to consider for sure when yeah when they're they're thinking about starting starting something on their own. I think what something you mentioned earlier is really important. If they're doing it as a side project or if they've quit their job <laughs> and, are, and are making a go of it, I think it's two different scenarios. I think the latter. Absolutely you need to be really careful about how you're you're going about it and you can't just be throwing spaghetti at the wall right you, sh right. you should really be validating your your business idea and trying to figure out if people are are, are going to be paying for this thing yeah right? i think there's another thing that people should consider as well using a marketplace is cheap once you get your product approved like there's no expenses there's no SSL certificate. There's no card processing fees. There's no PayPal fees. There's none of that. It's all, for all intents and purposes, it's free, aside from the commission that they take, the marketplace takes out, which is pretty easy to justify in a lot of ways because you look at the traffic they give you. So you're paying for traffic with the commission. Starting your own site, however, is very expensive or can be depending on what you're doing. So you need to start looking at SSL certificates. You need to consider how much it costs to process a credit card. It's not that cheap. Uh, I mean, sometimes we can think about it being cheap. Think about the cost of your hosting your website, the amount that you're going to lose in sales if your site goes down. All of these things are things to think about. Also, how like licensing. So if, you buy, if you're buying an e-commerce plugin, you're going to be spending probably quite a bit, even on the free ones. 
Like just as an example, if you are selling through easy digital downloads and you're selling a WordPress plugin, you're going to be spending a minimum of probably a hundred dollars because of the, the add-ons that you're going to want to purchase to sell software in that way to sell WordPress plugins could be 200, could even be 300. Those are things that do not apply in a marketplace. Yeah, for sure. Should we read some, some iTunes reviews? So we've got two of them. Uh, this one comes from someone with a user that I cannot say. It's says Yam. <laughs> uh, it just says, a great resource for WP developers. Current trends and issues, development and the business side are all discussed in a focused manner. Keep it up. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And then another one. This one just came in a few weeks ago uh, from Josh Eby. Uh, or EB, sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. Uh, he says, I've been listening to a number of WordPress podcasts over the last couple of months. And as a developer, I found the discussions in Apply Filters a great help in both getting up to speed with WordPress as well as expanding my WordPress development skills. Definitely on my must listen list now. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Awesome. It's exactly the kind of thing that we want to hear about. Well, that being said, I guess we should also. Uh, remind people that if you want to leave us a review and then shoot us an email, uh, if you have a plugin or a theme, I'll be happy to look at it in exchange for that review. You want to give another shout out to our sponsor this episode? Yeah, we have two sponsors this episode. So we mentioned about Sammy, who you can find at foxland.fl, where he's got a bunch of WordPress themes and plugins, both free and commercial. Uh, And then once again, our permanent sponsor, Ninja Forms, from the WP Ninjas. Go check them out. They do a lot of great things and they're very generous in helping us produce this show. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you.